Hey, it's Tuesday. The new episode of Two Degrees Hotter is out. It's my favorite Gen Z lifestyle and self-development podcast. I'm on my way over. Let's listen to the latest episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Two Degrees Hotter. It's Anya here, just me this week for a solo episode. And this week, I'm going to be sharing some of the biggest lessons and kind of like mindset shifts that I've had during my first three, just over three years in the full time workforce. Um, And I'm really excited about this one. I put a lot of thought into kind of the main things that I feel like I've noticed a change in myself. And I've just noticed have like increased my quality of life when it comes to work over the last three years. So I really hope that this is helpful to anyone that is also relatively new to the workforce, recently out of college, or even if you're not, I'm sure we all, you know, learn different lessons over the course of our career. So maybe I'll have something to share that maybe you haven't thought about before. And I want to know your lessons too. So feel free to leave that in response in the Spotify prompt. I'd love to know things that are on your mind, anything that I didn't say. Um, But anyways, yeah, it is just me this week because Kylie moved. So Kylie is still in Boston. She moved about like 10 minutes down the road from where she was living before, 10 minutes closer to me, which is a big sleigh. So now we're only like a 16 minute walk apart. I haven't been to her new place yet, but I've seen some pictures and videos and it looks very cute. looks like an upgrade in my humble opinion, uh, just location wise, because it's, you know, closer to me. So that's great. Um, so it'll be more convenient to see each other more often, which will be fun. Um, but yeah, even though it's only like a short move, I feel like moving almost takes the same amount of resources, no matter how far you're going. Like you still have to like box it all up, get it organized, you know, unpack. So she was pretty much just taking the week to focus on that, which is very valid. So I said, Hey, don't worry, I'll do a solo. Um, And I don't even remember the last time I did a solo episode. I think it was definitely my turn kind of in our schedule anyways. So it took me a while to think of a topic that I wanted to do, but I was reflecting on, I've, I've had like some good career growth moments recently, which I'll share about too, just to give you guys some context when we get to the main portion of the episode. And it just felt like a good time to sort of reflect on everything that's happened in the last three years. Um, so that's what we're going to be doing today. And you guys know the drill. If you just want to listen to the main episode content, I will have the timestamp linked down below where you can go check out just that portion, but we are going to start with our segments or I guess my segments, um, and the week in review. So I had a couple things that I wanted to talk about this week. I guess first and foremost, Kylie and I, and actually a big group of people from dance did go see Barbie. I'll wait until Kylie is back next week for to share like a ton of thoughts, um, but it was so good. First of all, Margot Robbie is literally stunning. Like the whole time I was just jaw on the floor at how pretty she is. Um, and she seems like such a genuine person also. Like I've seen a lot of videos of her like interacting with fans and stuff and she just seems like so great. So I feel like I'm in my like Margot Robbie fangirl era. She's just stunning and seems amazing. So um, I was really happy to go support her, support the movie. I know she produced it as well. Um, and just like Barbie Land was so inclusive. It was so amazing to see and just really healing for like the inner child. I feel like it's made me think a lot this week about my inner child and just like why we grow out of things as adults and and all this stuff. And so I I do really recommend seeing it. 
Um, I do think it's funny, like all the banter that I've seen about how it's like a man hating movie because it's like, did you literally miss the entire point? Did you miss the whole thing? Um, but yeah, it was amazing. And like I said, there was a group of, I think like 12 of us, maybe that all from dance got together in a group chat and went and saw it. We all were pink. We all understood the assignment. Um, and it was just such a wholesome environment. The movie literally like ran the movie theater dry. They didn't have like anything except for popcorn, which was funny. Um, but yeah, I would highly recommend going to see if it's on your list. I have not seen Oppenheimer. I intend to at some point, but I kind of want to wait until the hype has died down a bit and, you know, go on like a weird off night or something like that. Um, but obviously got to go support my girl Flo, big fan. So should be good. Um, but yeah, we'll probably talk more about Barbie next week once Kylie's back. Um, aside from Barbie, I have mentioned this a couple different times over the duration of the pod, just kind of talking about my goals for the summer and that kind of thing. So if you've been listening, you know that one of my goals was to get back on point as an adult. So I think most people are familiar with point shoes that like ballerinas wear when you're like really up on your toes. Um, And I did that when I was younger. So I did that from about ages like 12 to 18, but it was never like my favorite. It was never like my thing. And I think I always really wanted to like it. I always, you know, had this dream going back to the Barbie thing, like inner child of, you know, feeling like a princess and like just feeling like a beautiful ballerina. And then I actually got on point and I was like, wait, this actually kind of sucks and like hurts and I don't enjoy it. Um, And so I feel like it was just kind of a letdown for me when I was younger. And maybe that's because I never like put in the right effort to build the right muscles or just like didn't care enough about it to really improve. Um, And I think in my adult life, as you guys know, I've kind of had a return to ballet recently, which has been really nice and like really healing. And I just really strongly felt that I wanted that to be sort of my next step was to get back on point. So anyways, with all that said, the main thing that I'm trying to get at during this week in review is just the fact that I am really feeling like a beginner again um, in something for the first time in a little while. And it's just interesting to like learn to embrace that feeling. Um, I think I have a bad habit of like only wanting to try things that I know I'll be pretty good at. (laughs) So like, you know, especially when it comes to like workouts and like different activities, it's like I have my comfort zone of like, Pilates and yoga and bar. And it's like, you would never see me in like a boxing class or something like that. Like I know my, I know my lane, I tend to stick to it. And yeah, that's probably not like a great quality in general, but I just like, I know my comfort zone. I know things that I will probably be good at. And I don't really tend to try things that I'm a complete beginner at. I just like, there haven't been that many things I can think of in recent years that I've been like a total beginner at. And not to say that I'm a total beginner at point, but I am definitely starting from square one. Like any muscles that I had in the past are definitely completely gone. So I'm really learning, you know, what it feels like to be on point again and like getting all the calluses back and that ankle strength back again and stuff. And it's interesting because dance is very, I guess, vulnerable in the sense that like you're so visible when you're in a class to everyone else in the class. Right. And so for example, like during this point class, there's definitely a mix of levels, but being that I'm essentially brand new back to point after so many years, I have been, spending the whole time at the bar. So kind of like spending the whole time in like training wheels mode while the rest of the class spends a little time at the bar and then everyone kind of transitions to center and does more like advanced movement. And I think, you know, in the past I would maybe have looked at that as like a bad thing or honestly more of just like an embarrassing thing. Like I feel like it it can feel embarrassing to feel behind or to feel like a beginner or like you're not, you know, there yet. And I think that's like really of my personality is to like hyper fixate on that and like not feeling like I'm the best in the class and that kind of thing. And I think I've had a lot of progress in that area because I think I'm doing a good job just like 
owning that beginner feeling when it comes to this and just like really embracing that beginner feeling and knowing that like I'm on my own journey. I never intend to like become a professional like ballerina. I'm just really doing this for fun for myself because I want to. And I know that like the progress will come with time if I want to continue pursuing this. Like if I choose to do this weekly class, I'm sure by the end of the year, maybe I will be starting to do like center work and feeling more confident in that kind of stuff. Or if I decide that it's still not for me and that I still don't really want to put time and effort into it, like that's fine too. I think just like recognizing that I'm really on my own journey and like timeline with this has been interesting. And it's just been like, so it's like such a poignant example of it because like I said, you're so visible. Like it's so obvious that like you're at the bar and everyone else is in center. And I was just like pretty proud of myself for being okay with that. So I guess if there's like a situation in your life where you feel like you're a beginner and like you haven't really been embracing that feeling or like you're holding yourself back because you don't want to be a beginner, I think just like pushing past that boundary and like recognizing that that's like quite literally a 100% necessary step to like get you to not be a beginner anymore. Like you just, there's no skipping it. Like you can't just skip to being good. You have to start somewhere. Um, And I think that's kind of like what I'm learning to embrace now. And so um, yeah, just kind of wanted to share that sentiment. Hopefully it resonates in whatever part of your life is most relevant to you right now. And let's get into my favorites. So I did say favorites still because I do have two things to share. And funny enough, they are both different bags. So I have really been in my shopping era lately, which I need to stop. I've actually been better these last like two weeks, but there was a hot minute there where I was making a lot of purchases and a lot of returns to be fair, but I was just really in like a shopaholic mood earlier this month. And so these purchases were both made then, but I have no regrets of either of them. So the first one is a work bag and I did have like full-time internships pre-COVID for like six months at a time. So I was like in the working universe for a year before the pandemic hit, like going into the office every single day. But then I started this full-time job in April, 2020. And obviously like going into the office wasn't really a priority for, you know, a solid year. And then when it was a priority again, it wasn't every day. And also I work in a pretty casual environment. So like not only wasn't it often, but it was also just like a casual setting. And so I never really felt like I wanted to invest in like a work bag. Like I know people swear by like the base tote, for example, and all that kind of thing, but I just never like felt like it was worth my money or time. And so I had literally just been using like my college backpack, my like North Face, which was getting just like a little, little, I don't know, not embarrassing. It's definitely not embarrassing, but I just didn't really feel like it was the, the image that I wanted to have at this point in my career. I just wanted to felt like a little more put together when I went to the office and just like have something that like matched a little more with like my style and the rest of my clothes. So anyway, long story short, Bagu dropped some different styles earlier this month. And so I ended up ordering, it's called the nylon shoulder bag from Bagu and I ordered it in brown. I went back and forth between the brown, black and the navy, but landed on brown. I think any of them would have been a good choice, but the brown is like a very warm, like chocolatey brown if you're into that kind of tone. And it's like the perfect size. So the website says that it measures 10.5 by 14 by four, if that means anything to you. But what I really like about it is that the strap is kind of like quilted. So it's really comfortable. I think my issue was I could have used like, I have some long chomp bags, long champ, long chomp, however you say that brand. And I really like those. And I think they give a similar look. However, the straps are like they're leather and they're thinner. And I feel like when you actually have heavy stuff in your bag, it literally like digs into you. And that's really what I was trying to avoid, especially during the summer. So this bag is so comfortable, 
fits my laptop totally easily in addition to a ton of other stuff. I have like my laptop, my notebook, my water bottle, my wallet, like just everything fits in there. And I got a bunch of compliments on it this last week at the office. There was like, there's a group of like office girlies that saw it and they were like, oh my gosh, is that the new bag who drop? And so we talked about it. It was very like female experience of us. But yeah, it's pretty affordable as far as like work bags go. And I think it's very much just like a clean slate will look good with any outfit. Um, So it's $54. I will link it in the show notes if you want to go check it out. It's also machine washable, which is huge because I don't have to worry about like being precious about it. I feel fine putting it like on the bus floor and like that kind of stuff. So yeah, I really like it. So that was the first one I wanted to share. And then the second one I wanted to share is a ballet bag, but you definitely could, you know, use this as like a gym bag kind of thing. So I do have another dance bag, which I really like from Lululemon that I think I've talked about before. But my issue is it doesn't really make sense for me to have my ballet stuff in my regular dance stuff in the same bag because my regular dance stuff is like heels and jazz shoes and that kind of stuff. And then my ballet stuff is obviously like my point shoes and my regular ballet shoes. And it's just a lot to keep in one bag. And it makes that one bag really heavy even though they're two very like desperate use cases, like I'll never need them in the same environment. So anyways, I have just tended to have a separate regular dance bag, which is that Lulu bag, and then a separate ballet bag, which is this new bag that I got. So it's the Free People Movement Quilted Carry-All Bag, and I got it in the color Off-White. They have a ton of colors right now. They actually restocked since I bought this, so they have some really cute colors that maybe I would have considered if they had been live. For example, the lilac is really cute. Um, but it's this literally ginormous tote. Like it's almost comical when I'm, when it's on my shoulder because it's like the size of me, like it's so big, but like in the best way. And it looks like it's very, it's very quilted. So you have to be into that look. It's like a quilted kind of like hobo tote bag. Um, and it has really nice, um, internal zippers and then also zippers on the outside for different stuff. So it fits a ton, like a ton, a ton, a ton of stuff. And I just think it's really cute. It's giving like that puffy kind of trend, but without being too puffy that it looks weird in the summer. Like I think it's a good year round bag. I could see people using it absolutely as a gym bag, even like a beach bag. I think it's a little big for an everyday bag for me, but maybe if I were traveling and like trying to bring it as like my um, personal item, it could work. But yeah, I really like the off-white. It's like a nice kind of beigey neutral that looks cute with ballet tights if that's your vibe. So yeah, I really, really like this bag. I'm so happy with it. Um, So if you have been eyeing it or if you need a gym bag, definitely go check it out. I will also have it linked in the show notes. Okay, now that we are through the segments, we are going to take a quick ad break and then I'll be back to talk about some lessons and mindset shifts from my first three years post-grad, from my first three years in the workforce. So I'll be back in just a minute. As you all know, we're both trying to work towards our wellness goals this year, and that's why we're excited to introduce Liquid IV as the sponsor of this episode. Liquid IV is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. In just one stick, you can get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use it first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out, and on long flights. We actually used Liquid IV when we were traveling in Europe last year, and it definitely helped us recover after some long nights out. 
Plus, it was super convenient packaging to keep in our suitcases and in our purses throughout the day. My personal favorite flavor is watermelon, but I'm excited to try the new strawberry lemonade flavor too. Liquid IV believes that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. Liquid IV partners with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code TDH at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code TDH at liquidiv.com. All right, we are back and I am ready to spill about all of these notes that I have here. And just to kind of set the scene, I'm literally sitting in like a dark room because the sun has set in the like 15 minutes that I've been recording so far, which is ridiculous. Um, So I'm sitting in a dark room. It's Friday at like 8.15 p.m. I've got a glass of red wine. Red wine wouldn't normally be my thing in July, but it's what Grant bought. So it's what I'm going to drink. It's Apothic Red, if you are familiar. So that's the vibe. We are going to be talking real career type stuff, all the lessons that I've learned, the biggest things that I would want to share with myself three years ago. So like I said, I hope this is relevant to you if you're new to the workforce, but also if you're not, I think we can all use a reminder of a lot of these things, no matter where you're at kind of in your career. So just to kind of give a little background on my arc so far and why it felt relevant to record this episode at this point in time. I started my job, well, like I mentioned earlier, I did have internships um, when I was at Northeastern. So Northeastern is the school that I went to. They have like what's called a co-op program. So you take six months off of class and you work full time during those six months. So I had about a year's worth of like normal work experience when I graduated, like normal office kind of setting work experience. And then when I started this job, um, it was April 2020. I started part time. And then May when I graduated, I started full time. We were remote for a while, you know, the vibes. Now we are like hybrid. Um, And when I started, I was in a very like external, like client facing role, you could say. And I was doing that for, um, let's see, like two years. Um, And I, towards the end, was really not happy in that role. Um, I really was always very anxious, feeling very burnt out of having to be like so constantly available to people all the time and just like, literally get like nauseous before I would get on Zoom calls just because I was like so tired of needing to be so available in that way, like so external facing, I guess you could say. Um, And so I ended up having a change in my role at the end of last year and I'm so much happier now. So now my title is chief of staff. Um, And so I do a bunch of different things, but you can kind of think of it as just kind of like a lot of cross organizational project management type stuff, a lot of like grant related work um, and a lot of kind of culture and then like HR type work as well. And just like reflecting on kind of this last year, I, I realized recently with my recent raise that I was grateful to get, I have literally almost doubled my salary since I started in this job. And I don't say that to brag, but I just was looking back and I think number one, I was like underpaid when I started. So that's one thing. Um, but number two, it's just crazy to think of like how much I've learned in that time and how much more, um, deserving I feel of this role now and like of this salary and just like how much growth that I've had. So I'm hoping to share some of that stuff with you guys today. And also I recently stepped into managing another person for the first time. I had managed co-ops myself, like interns, but I'm managing a full-time person for the first time now, which I mentioned a couple episodes back. And so I've also just been thinking about a lot of these things as kind of lessons that I want to pass on to her and like make sure she is it's instilled in her like early on in her career. So I've just been doing a lot of thinking on this front lately. 
I have a lot to share. I have a lot to say. So let's just go ahead and get into it. I think I have 10 different lessons and mindset shifts from my first three years post-grad. And I'm going to turn on a light because it's getting darker and darker. (laughs) Okay. So the first thing that I want to share is just the realization that balance is not possible. And this isn't like a new thing to our show. This is definitely a theme that we've talked about in a lot of different contexts over the years. But I think when it comes to work, just realizing that balance of every aspect of your life, you know, career, health, family, friends, like money, like all of these things, you just can never strike a perfect balance. And you need to learn to kind of be okay with that and just know that you're always going to kind of be in the gray area between all of these different things. And I definitely have like different seasons of life where I'm able to have more time to put into hobbies than others and less time to put into hobbies. And I think just realizing that it's very natural for things to ebb and flow, regardless of what field you're in, regardless of, you know, what you're doing. In the past, I would experience a lot of like guilt um, for not being able to prioritize the thing that I wanted to prioritize. So in the seasons where work was busier, I would feel guilty that I couldn't prioritize my health at that time. I couldn't prioritize working out. I couldn't prioritize eating healthy. I was just, you know, glued to my laptop for weeks at a time and not really feeling like I was doing right by my body. But then ironically enough, sometimes I would have the opposite experience where work would be a little slow. So I would use my, you know, remote lunch hour to step out for a workout. And then I would feel bad about that. And the fact that I'm not available and the fact that I'm on company time and all these things. And I think just realizing that like you're human, it's natural to want to find balance in life, but trying to do everything right and trying to find the perfect, okay, 25% of my mental capacity needs to be work and 25% needs to be eating healthy and doing right by my body. Like it's just not possible. And I think that is truly what ends up leading to burnout a lot of times is trying to always strike this perfect balance, whether it's conscious or unconscious. I think a lot of people don't even realize that they're kind of doing this to themselves, surrendering to it and just realizing that things are going to ebb and flow. And so when you're in a super busy season of work and you're like, oh, I'm not prioritizing my health in the way that I would like to, just like being able to take a step back and be like, yes, but there are times when work isn't as busy. And I remember those times and that time will come back again and I will be able to prioritize myself a little more. I think when the problem comes is when you find that you're never getting these ebbs and flows, if it's just constantly like work is crazy demanding and you have no time, I think that's, you know, a conversation to be had with like your manager about capacity and and bandwidth and that kind of thing. But I think if you're finding that sometimes you just prioritize different items and it's hard for you to ever strike the quote unquote, like right balance of priorities, I think that's natural. I think that's literally unavoidable and just kind of like embracing it and learning not to fight it has been what has helped me not give it so much mental strain, I guess, over the years. My next tip is really to work on taking things one day at a time and recognizing that maybe not every single day is going to be a good day and that's okay. For me, it is so easy to get really stressed out looking at my Google calendar and looking at the schedule for my next day and the day after that and the days ahead and looking at next week and seeing how many meetings I have and just thinking about how overwhelmed I'm going to feel in the moment. And like, I'm not saying don't be prepared and like pretend tomorrow doesn't exist on your calendar, but I think just working on like not letting yourself ruminate on, you know, how long a day is going to feel, how you're going to feel tomorrow, what tomorrow is going to be like. Like, I think you just need to let yourself like exist in the moment that you're currently in and know that tomorrow will come and you are going to have to deal with these meetings or, you know, this presentation or like whatever it is that's making you anxious. But just reminding yourself that you've gotten through every hard work day up to this point. I do that all the time. Like 
if I'm ever anxious about, you know, the next day, I'm one to like not sleep well or like be tossing and turning, especially like in the early hours of the morning and that kind of thing. And I think just like taking a step back and being like, I have survived harder days than this always, you know, you've always had a hard day and you've always made it through is super helpful as just kind of like a um, affirmation to tell yourself. And I think a couple other things that have helped me sort of get ahead of this is trying to think of three top priorities for the day, which I've shared as this as a tip before, but I used to just make these like insanely long to-do lists of all the things that I'd like to get done that day. And I would know I couldn't get it done that day. And so what I'm doing is basically just feeling like I'm not keeping promises to myself because I made this list of 20 plus things, which is physically impossible for anyone. But then I just feel like shit at the end of the day when I only crossed off three. But in reality, I should have just given myself those three things that I knew were realistic in the first place. So just kind of thinking through like, what are the three things that I need to get done today? What are my top three priorities? And then everything else can be kind of a nice to have. And if you get to it, then you feel great about yourself. And if you don't, then that's okay. And then I think one other thing that has helped me a little bit is just kind of making a general high level plan for the next day. I think my anxiety about work is usually in the morning. Like when I first wake up, I'm just very anxious. Like I, in the past, I've literally like woken up nauseous before. And this isn't my job's fault. Like I'm not trying to blame anybody. This is like me problems that I have to work on. Like, you know, that mean that's like you work in marketing, like it's not that deep. Like that's genuinely like how I should be taking things. But sometimes I'm just not that kind of person. I'm just like an intense person for the most part. So sometimes that's hard for me. Um, And so I think, you know, knowing my anxiety is at its peak in the morning for the most part, I try to make the morning a little easier on myself by taking some time the night before. So like when I'm logging off of work, I'll look at my next day's calendar and say like, all right, these are my meetings. This is the prep I have to do in the morning. These are the three things that I would love to accomplish, you know, in addition to these meetings and just kind of like letting myself from the day before hold the burden as opposed to forcing myself to wake up in the morning and be like disoriented and not know what's going to happen that day, I think has been helpful. But at the same time, not letting yourself like ruminate on it. Like it's definitely a fine balance because like I said earlier, like I'm one to look at like next week and like freak out. But in reality, you just have to know, take it one day at a time, look at tomorrow, figure out your plan for tomorrow get through tomorrow, and then keep going from there. My next tip is especially important for the early career girlies. So listen up and repeat after me. Saying no does not make you a criminal. Ready? Saying no does not make you a criminal, right? Um, I think, you know, when we first joined the workforce in the first few years that we're working, we really want to come across as like ambitious and being a go-getter and getting things done and being someone that people can turn to and be reliable and all these things that we're told to be as women, right? And I think. Yes, you want to get your work done. You want to be reliable, but it's actually a sign of emotional intelligence to really know your limits and to be able to communicate well when you've hit that point. Um, I think, you know, I have a lot of respect for people on the team when we're like in a team meeting and saying like, all right, who can take this on? When people are honest and genuinely they're like, I can't this week or I can do this, but I might need to shift around some other things. So like, let's talk after about what can take lower priority. Like, I think just, realizing that no one expects you to be a constant working machine or they shouldn't. Um, And like, it's not, it's not good for anyone. If you're up late doing things, it's not good for, you know, the capacity of the company. It's a sign that obviously you need to, you know, have increased bandwidth in some way, whether that means they hire someone else or, you know, decrease your other responsibilities. Like, I think it's just great to sort of be able to communicate that. And it's not doing it in like a bitchy way. Like it's not just being like, no, cross arms. I'm not doing it. Like there are ways to like, be polite and like be respectful and just kind of communicate like, listen, I don't have the time for this right now. Could I do it next week? What is the deadline? What's the urgency? Could I shift around some of my other priorities to get that done for you? But I think just 
being able to look at your schedule and estimate the amount of time you have currently allocated towards stuff is a good skill to have. And I think people that are just constant yes people are honestly lacking in that skill or in the confidence to bring it up. And so I think working on that is super important. And you'll be surprised that it actually is going to get you ahead, to be honest and transparent like that, as opposed to just being a yes man and burning yourself out and just feeling awful about it. The next one is sort of more like project related, I guess I would say, but just knowing that things don't need to be perfect before you share them or before you ask for feedback on the direction you're going in. And I think, you know, just knowing that when you are looking for advice or direction or feedback, it's not personal. It's a tool to get the best possible outcome. And so I used to have a bad habit of kind of waiting until things were like, quote unquote, perfect from my end to share it with my manager, like to share it with the greater team. But then you're going to get feedback and you're going to have to change things anyway. So you are truly, you know, you end up putting in like nearly double the effort if you wait until things are like absolutely perfect from your perspective to get people's opinions on them. And I think that can actually really kind of hinder progress and growth and generally make the end product like less great. So just kind of recognizing that getting feedback early really drives improvement in the final product. It can help the company actually save money if they're avoiding kind of costly mistakes or like putting all of your, you know, 40 hours into something that's not actually the direction that the project's going to end up going. It encourages collaboration between you and your team. It kind of builds that trust and transparency in having that like feedback loop. And so I think, yeah, just like getting comfortable with sharing things when they're at, you know, the 75% mark that that's going to make the end product better because you haven't created and put all your time and energy into this full thing that maybe isn't even the direction that the project's going to end up going. I hope that makes sense. I alluded to this a little bit in my last point, but my next learning is to not make everything urgent when it might not actually be urgent. So AKA like ask for deadlines and really work on your sense of like prioritization When I first started, I always really stressed myself out with this like artificial sense of urgency. Like if anyone slacked me to do something in my head, I was like, oh, add that to the list for today. Got to get that done today. Got to send it back to them in an hour. And it's like, why? That might very well not be the case. I think, you know, hopefully people are good about giving you deadlines around urgency. But if they're not, that is a very fair question to ask them. So like, Just kind of asking, hey, happy to do this for you or like happy to push this out to next week. Like, when do you need this by? Is there a deadline? And really leveraging the tools that, you know, work for you to figure out how to keep track of all these different moving things. For me, I really like the um, tasks and like focus time functions on Google Calendar. So it's my thing. It's like my toxic trait at work that like I will put tasks for days out weeks out, sometimes even months out if I know that they're going to have to be a priority at that point. So if I if someone slacks me and says, hey, can you do this? I say, what's the urgency? They say, oh, can you get it to me by the end of the month, let's say? Maybe I put a calendar reminder for myself in a week or like 10 days to come back and look at it. Because if you're just trying to get everything done like immediately on such a quick turn, not only are you just stressing yourself out and creating like urgency when it really doesn't exist, But you're also, number one, making yourself known for that kind of turnaround time, which isn't a bad thing, like I was saying earlier, but it just creates this expectation that you're always going to have that turnaround time, which isn't always possible, as we know. And then secondly, it kind of forces you to like deprioritize other things that you had on your list for that day, which might very well be important themselves. So yeah, learning to say no, learning to share things early, 
and just asking for deadlines and not creating this false sense of urgency all the time have been really big in helping me like manage my stress and just approach work with like a healthier mindset over these last few years. My next tip is around managing up and like communication and that kind of thing. So I pulled the definition of managing up from Google because I wasn't exactly sure how to define it. So in case you're not familiar with the term, managing up refers to the process of effectively and proactively working with and influencing one's own manager or supervisors to ensure a positive and productive working relationship. It includes understanding your manager's preferences, communication style, goals and priorities, and then adjusting your own actions and behaviors to align with them. So basically it's corporate manipulation. (laughs) I'm kidding. Um, But it like, it is such a skill to understand like what makes your manager tick, how to make them happy, how to kind of work with them, how to make their life easier. These are all huge assets and huge reasons that people end up getting promoted within their organizations. Like for better or worse, your manager probably has the most say over anyone on if you're going to be up for that promotion or up for that raise. So assuming, you know, you're interested in growth, I think communication really stood out to me as like the main thing here. And I'm still learning this every day. As you all know, I'm still relatively new to the workforce myself, but I think just learning how to like adapt your communication style to match your manager's preferences is so underrated. Like just kind of figuring out if your manager prefers more like brief updates over Slack or like more detailed reports or like weekly check-ins, understanding just like how and when to communicate important information is so key. And I would say as like a relatively new manager myself, having managed co-ops for a few years now, in general, your manager wants to know where you're at. They want to hear your updates. They want to be supportive to you. But you can also gain a lot of respect in knowing how to best communicate that stuff. So for example, I think something that I see like interns do all the time is just like constantly slap me with like little questions and little updates and like they're not wrong for that. I think they're navigating the workplace for the first time and figuring it out, but I'm always kind of encouraging them like, Hey, it does this need to be addressed immediately. Can this wait until our one-to-one scheduled for tomorrow? Can you make a note to bring this back up then? Because chances are your manager has even more on their plate than you have on yours. I mean, hopefully that's the goal is that with every level of, you know, income and, and recognition that you're doing a little more work. So just kind of knowing that like your manager has their own workload and it might not be the best communication method to be slacking them all these individual things when you could be for example, saving them up for your one-to-one and coming with like a full agenda and that kind of thing. So you'll gain a lot of respect from, you know, making yourself as convenient as an employee for them as you can. So it's all about figuring out like what makes your specific manager tick and how can you best reflect that. And I'm very lucky that I have always had very good managers. I've definitely had managers with like different styles and like level of experience, but overall I've had managers that like want me to do well and want me to succeed. So if you're not in that position, but maybe we can do a whole episode on that. We did one on like difficult workplace conversations. So that could be one to refer back to, but let me know if that would be interesting for you. Next up is just knowing that sometimes you do have to work late, but it's not a flex or something to like brag about or romanticize. I think weirdly I'm on like a very corporate side of TikTok where it's like all these people that work in like finance and they're talking about how like come with me to a a day in the office. And they were there from like 8 to like 11 p.m. And they just make it seem like that's their every day. And I think we all have, you know, the occasional deadline or the occasional fire that forces us to work late. But it's really key to not like romanticize it or to make it feel normal. You know, we should all be striving for more work-life balance. I think if anything, that's a flex is being able to say like, I log off at five and I have that boundary. 
And so I think even if you don't mean to do this, it does kind of create like a weird pressure for other people around you to also have to work late. Um, And you don't want to create that kind of environment for like other young people or other people with families and that kind of stuff. So like sometimes I do work late. Sometimes I'll be online, you know, after dance and all these things at like 10 p.m. But like I'm not slacking. Like I'm not making it like publicly known that I'm online Um, unless you have like a very toxic culture where that's rewarded, which I hope you don't. I imagine there could be places like that. But in general, it's like you're probably salaried when you do your work is your business. But just like don't make it a norm to work outside of working hours, at least externally to other people. I think people deserve to feel that they have the right to that time. And so just like, yeah, not trying to romanticize it, not trying to make it a flex is really important. My next one is a little lighter, but just actually like read the fine print of your benefits and like actually work to understand and like take advantage of them. I felt like so silly because when I joined, I didn't really like take the time to like read through the employee handbook and like truly understand what all of my benefits were. And now that I'm more kind of on the like HR, like culture side of things, I have to understand it. And there are so many things that people don't take advantage of like year over year. So like, for example, at my job, I didn't realize that I had technology stipend every single year. I didn't realize that I had a professional development stipend every year and these renew on the calendar year. So if you don't use it, you kind of like, you got to use it or lose it. Like I don't have access to like last year's if I didn't exhaust it. And so like, for example, I ended up using the technology stipend to buy myself a laptop to like figure out my work from home setup, maybe upgrade it a little bit. And then for the professional development stipend, I've been able to use it to buy like self-help books that I'm interested in. I'm looking at like some courses and that kind of stuff that I want to do. So like, look at your benefits because you probably have some that you didn't even realize that you have. And I work at a nonprofit. So like yours, if you're at like a big corporation are likely better than mine. And you might not even realize like all the stuff that you have. And for example, my boyfriend has like a health stipend where they'll, they'll reimburse him for like a gym membership to a certain extent. So yeah, take a look, read the handbook. It's not fun, but you'll be grateful that you did because you'll probably learn something that you're not taking advantage of that you totally could. My next tip is to know how to interpret different pieces of feedback. And I kind of had a hard time fleshing out this full point, but just kind of like stream of consciousness here. I think one thing that we've talked about in the past is that some people are better at delivering feedback than others, um, you know, for different reasons. Some people are just more experienced in their career. Some people hate that kind of environment and hold it off to the last minute. But I think we've all had situations where we've gotten feedback and you maybe take it and you really improve from it and you learn from it or you hear that feedback and it just feels kind of like a personal ding and it's not really anything that's going to support you or help you much going forward and it can be really hard to understand like the differences of like when you really should work on this personal development thing and someone cares and wants you to be better and is giving you a gift of feedback versus someone just like being shady or like not being a good manager or just like taking things out on you or like not giving a productive you know comment and So I think just like listening in that moment, trying not to be defensive, asking for clarification if you need it, kind of reflecting on your own perspective on the situation. You can even like seek different perspectives from like coworkers and that kind of thing. Like I think one thing that um, my boss told me at one point was that she was told she was difficult to work with. And it's like, number one, what does that even mean? And like women are way more likely to be told that they're difficult to work with, first of all. And second of all, it's like if you go to all your coworkers and you're like, hey, like genuinely, am I do I make your life hard? Do I make your life difficult? Am I communicating right? And if they all are like, I have no idea what you're talking about, like that says something because those are the people that actually work with you. So like just as one example, 
Um, of course, there are times where people are giving you valid feedback and it's important to focus on that improvement and important to learn from that experience, but just kind of like learning when to suss it out and and know if it's something that you really need to like concern yourself with improving or if it's just someone having a bad day and taking it out on you because unfortunately both are common in the workplace. Um, so yeah, I guess hopefully that got the point across. My last mindset shift and kind of tip from my last few years in the workforce is around reclaiming your personal time. So I work in a essentially like a startup incubator environment. So there's always a ton of events going on, especially in the summer, tons of like happy hours, tons of networking events, tons of like speakers, things like that. And that is great. And that is a perk and can be a perk of like your workplace. But I think just kind of learning that those things don't need to be an obligation, especially if your job is already draining you and you have such limited time at the end of your day, like when it comes down to it, you only have the hours of like 5 p.m. to 10 to like really spend on yourself. And like there's all sorts of other responsibilities that also need to fit into that, whether it's like laundry or groceries. You know, we all have these life admin things that also need to happen. And so I think it's just unreasonable for any company to expect people to show up to like every single networking thing or every single happy hour. And of course, there are situations where, you know, you can kind of do that strategic analysis and figure out if it makes sense for you to go and if there's going to be like a value add, if you're going to be able to talk to people you like and all these things. But don't feel like you have to attend all these things. Don't feel bad about skipping extra events, about skipping happy hours and really just like reclaiming your personal time. And I don't really think you owe anyone an explanation, but even if you want to give one to someone, I think it's perfectly valid to say work has taken a lot out of me this week. I need some personal time back to myself like this evening Um, and just kind of like leaving it at that. Um, And yeah, don't feel bad about skipping happy hours when you want to. And also don't feel bad about taking advantage. It's always fun to get the free stuff. So just go with your gut, navigate it how you feel that you want to, um, but just don't like feel pressured into always going to the extra things. All right. Well, those were all of the things I wanted to share. Those are my top 10 mindset shifts and lessons from my first three years in the workforce. I obviously have so, so, so much to learn. I honestly bet I'll listen to this back in like two years and just laugh at how like naive I was or like how much I still had to learn. So I'm definitely interested to see what other takeaways I have over the next few years. But if there's anything that you've had a big breakthrough with that I didn't mention, I would love to know. Feel free to comment it back in the Spotify feature or submit to our anonymous suggestion box. You can DM us on Instagram, email us, all the things. I'd love to chat with you. And Kylie will be back next week. I'm sure she'll have some updates on her move. We'll probably talk a little bit about Barbie. Um, And I don't know what we'll be talking about yet. So stay tuned for that, but should be a good one back with my co-host. And I hope you all are having a great day or evening or wherever you are listening to this. If you've made it this far, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen to my ramblings here. I really hope that you took something away, whether you're in the corporate world or you know working um, in a more trade-like environment or service industry, whatever it might be. Um, I hope that there was something in here for you. And with that, I will chat with you guys next week. Have an awesome week, everyone. Bye.